this morning we have a special quartet. I don't know what they're going to call themselves and all, but uh. <laughs> I hope the girls allow me to make one or two more mistakes. I couldn't even get my part right whenever we were practicing, and I got it together. That's bad. But I'd appreciate you just listening to what Marty Phillips is, and his wife has written down. They allowed us to hum along on this. Soon there be a celebration, and the family will be whole. No more death, no separation in that home. special and uh, I always thankful for people who use their talents for the honor and glory of God uh, if you have a bulletin just follow right along we'll have uh, two places real quick to look at Romans chapter 12 and in the Old Testament Ecclesiastes just look at uh, if you find Psalms the largest book in the Old Testament just uh, keep going Proverbs Ecclesiastes and get your two pages there, just kind of uh, get you a marker, and uh, mark one, mark one with your finger. I've already gotten a little reprimand, uh, in trouble a little bit because of my Texas Longhorn tie, went back to my roots, I do have Razorback ties, I wear them from time to time, mainly whenever I moved here, y'all gave them to me and said, here, wear this. What y'all did, so went back to my roots and uh, just got a little bit of Longhorn Spirit. Got a phone call uh, from Brother Joel. He is in the United States. That's our missionary uh, to Belize. He's got the uh, missions conference. He is the main speaker. Uh, we help pay for half his uh, cost uh, to... Uh, get over here and all of that, they're going to try to just get a getaway and uh, do a getaway, if you will, and uh, use it as a family outing. Joel's parents are driving from East Texas uh, to meet him 
there in Florida after the conference, they'll uh, go over to Disney World and stay a couple days and head straight back uh, to Belize and get right back to work. There are already some adjustments. I just came. I said, man, there's convenience stores everywhere. And uh, just kind of uh, you get used to living without certain amenities for almost a year. He hadn't been there. He's been there about eight, nine months or whatever the exact number is. And uh, so just uh, lift him up in prayer, doing a great job. His duties have expanded. Uh, Of course, our church voted to purchase the uh, building that was previously occupied. It's owned by El Dorado Missionary Baptist Church uh, by Brother Nicky Barnett, their missionary there. He came off the field mainly due to health reasons. Uh, He needed uh, to have be under direct care of American doctors, a lot of blood pressure problems and other threatening, stroke-threatening type of situations in his health. So remember him in prayer. And just Brother Joel's kind of become a mentor to some of the other places, trying to help them out. So just pray for them. Also, since we did vote to buy that, uh, property and house, very beautiful facilities, the upstairs houses, people, as well as the seminary facilities. The downstairs is even bigger than what he did have, and it's not like staying in a rent house, which we were spending $750 a month. When I say we, I'm talking about the, the mission fund, uh, and then now it'll be toward rent, I mean, excuse me, toward purchasing and uh, so just uh, remember that in prayer. We did get in the mail uh, from Shady Grove, right up the road, Shady Grove Missionary Baptist Church. And matter of fact, Kaylee was in the meeting whenever the church voted. Kaylee said just tears started forming in her eyes when they voted to send us $10,000 to help us with the building. And uh, so already, and then several other churches have already sent in like 1000 or 500 or uh, and it's just, it's just really and truly, it's just amazing what God has done, is doing, and will do. And so, uh, just, I'm so excited uh, about that. Okay, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, simple title, In Times Like These. The Bible says, uh, to everything there is a season, basically a time. And a time to every purpose under heaven. A time to be born. A time to die. A time to plant. A time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill. And a time to heal. A time to break down. And a time to build up. A time to weep. And a time to laugh. A time to mourn. And a time to dance. A time to cast away stones. And a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. What profit hath he that worketh in that wherein he laboreth? Uh, I was thinking about that. Anytime we have a, uh, I know 
Karen and I, whenever we have, you know, whether it's this remodel that's happening or something other, if you move stuff from one room to another or totally shift things, it's definitely a time to throw away. <laughs> and any time you move junk or move stuff or you clean out a closet, we cleaned out, there's a hall closet we've used for sheets. Just all of a sudden, on a whim, we were looking for something, couldn't find it, and we just said, well, let's clean it out. And we cleaned out, and we sometimes we give away, sometimes we throw away. But there is a time for everything. There is a time to clean and a time to get dirty, so to speak. You have to roll up your sleeves, and you can't stay clean during a remodeling. <laughs> you can't stay clean during the time whenever you're doing construction or anything like that. Uh, it's time to roll up your sleeves and go to work. But we live in a time today that's very confusing. And uh, it's kind of elaborated a little bit in Romans, if you'll go there. In Romans chapter 12, beginning with verse 11. <clears throat> well, I'll tell you what, let's back up, even though our uh, outline may say 11, let's back up to verse 9. It says, let love be without dissimulation. In other words, not putting on a front or faking it. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. In other words, putting others ahead of your own self. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality, and caring about others, basically. Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. And that's looking, you know, this particular section of Scripture, and you, of course, could keep reading uh, but this particular section of Scripture can only be practiced by those that are mature in the faith. It's very hard. The flesh does not like to do some of these things. Our, the way we, that's the way we're raised, or our fleshly desires is, uh, is revenge, is, is, is hate. Uh, you have to work at love and loving people that may not like the same things you like in times like these. Um, matter of fact... Uh, <clears throat> If you look at just simply the introduction, it says, because of the times, the church of the Lord, talking about all the Lord's churches, faced with great responsibility, she must preach the gospel. It's time for every man, really, to acknowledge that there's a crisis. Turn, if you will, to Second Timothy chapter 3, just a little ways over if you're in Romans. Second Timothy chapter 3, there are several familiar scriptures here. There's, there is a crisis, and the crisis is this, that uh, we live in a day where, our, where morals in society aren't in agreement with God's Word. It's, it's okay to do in society, as a matter of fact, can you think of right now <clears throat> how society has changed since you've been alive? Since you've been alive, are some things that used to be taboo or wrong now are accepted? I mean, just since y'all have been alive. Now, now we're talking, we're reading the Bible 
And this was penned by the Apostle Paul approximately 2,000 years ago. Things are still wrong. There's things that are still right. And there's things that are still wrong. But we live in a time. In times like these, should we... I mean, what, where is the line anymore? Where is the line? Okay, well this... When you cross this line, it's wrong. Wait, wait, wait. Let's, where's the eraser? <laughs> the line's over here now. Okay, when you cross this line, it's wrong. Well, well, in these situations, let me get there. Let's move it again. You see, every time society changes, so does the line. But God's Word never changes the line. Wrong is wrong and right is right. And it's, it's hard whenever the line keeps moving. We have in our society today people that say that, well, in certain situations, it's wrong. And there's no uh, absolutes anymore. Are you absolutely sure? <laughs> you know, we say, well, there's no absolutes anymore because what's wrong for you is right for me and what's right for me is wrong for you. Are you absolute about that? Okay. Then there are absolutes if that's absolutely sure that there's no absolutes. Well, that's a tongue twister. Second <clears throat> Timothy 3 Verse 1, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. I was visiting with someone the other day that we were talking about, uh, man, I've heard it all my life that Jesus is coming again. All my life that we're living in the last days. I remember whenever it was huge in the 80s and uh, that I, we're living in the last days. It's been, you know, a lot of people were looking at... Uh, 1988, as something big was going to happen concerning prophecy. And you know why? Because it was a, a generation was considered 40 years, and it was 40 years since Israel had become a nation. So everybody was looking at May 1988, because that was 40 years to the day that Israel became a nation. So therefore, a lot of people are looking at that scripture that said, This generation shall not pass away till all these things be fulfilled. They were applying that scripture to the generation and 40 years being a generation. But God's not, He's not tied down by our ideas and our times. This, this, hey, the last times, I think we are living in the last times, but the last time, the God's, remember, just one day to the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years to one. So we can't pin God down on, well, man, it's been a long time. Well, to God, it's only been a blink. Okay? <laughs> Let's move on. I'm still in Second Timothy 3. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Uh, just think about that one. Uh, my, how... Uh, parenting has changed. My house school systems have changed. You know, you remember when you were in school? But every generation it changes. Every generation. I mean, our grandparents' generation of school and parenthood is different than our parents' generation. And then our, then us, and then now our children. See, it's all, it's all different in every generation. Does it change for the better? I know education system 
and the tools that we have are better. But basically what? You ask any parent uh, that's involved in the school system, and you ask any, well, rephrase that, ask any teacher, and they'll say it all relates back to the parents. It does. Parental support. You know, used to, and I know this is cliche, if you get a whipping at school, what are you going to do when you get home? <laughs> at least used to. But you, and today, you get a whipping at school, <laughs> mama's coming up there to see what happened and going to take care of the teacher or the principal. That's right. <laughs> it's, it's totally changed. It's totally different now. And, uh, well, it's, you know, it's, if my parent gets a, excuse me, if my child gets a whipping, it's not my child's fault. Mm-hmm. It, but it's, it, it prophesied this way. It's just the way it, the way it was prophesied that it's going to start going that way. And the parents, matter of fact, I know a lot of children that raise parents. Mm. Yeah, just uh, society has changed. And y'all don't be elbowing anybody, okay? Don't be elbowing anybody like that. Uh, disobedient parents, unthankful, unholy. Uh, we still have those that, and thank the Lord that teaches. You know, here in the South, we have uh, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir, that sort of thing. But that's that. It, that's kind of fading out too, isn't it? And if I say it, you know, I tell everybody, and I love the way Jerry Clower put it. He's dead and done gone on to be with the Lord. But Jerry Clower used to, he said, yes, ma'am, to this lady. And she said, don't you say yes, ma'am, to me. <laughs> Jerry Clower said, well, my ancestors would come up out of the grave and get me if I don't say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, and what have you. And, and that's true with mine. Mine will come over from Texas and take me out. You know, my mom will take, still take the belt after me if she could catch me. And, uh, and so I better, but she'll catch me eventually. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. I think about that. The United States as a whole loves pleasure. We do, don't we? Boy, we love our recreation. We, we recreate, we love recreation. But it tells us right there, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. We will spend, we will borrow, we will, listen to this, we will borrow money to enjoy pleasure. And, oh, by the way, here's $5 for the church. <laughs> Ouch. You know, but that, that's our society. I mean, that's, that's the way it is. It ought not be that way. We'll sacrifice for pleasure, but will we sacrifice for the Lord? Now, again, if you take that wrong and say, Brother Michael's preaching against recreation and camping and fishing, and I love all those things and do all those things, but what will I sacrifice for? You see what I mean? That, that's where I'm at. That's where I, you know, there's nothing wrong. Do, do I give God what what I need to give Him? And that that's, you see... Don't take Brother Michael wrong and say, Brother Michael's preaching against recreation. Y'all know better than that. Because I love recreation. But what, do, what will I sacrifice for? But we, we are in a crisis, aren't we? And uh, reading these things and 
course, ending with verse 6. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive, silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lust, and those that are out to please themselves, basically. We live in this uh, definitely full of problem times. We live in prophetic times. Look at uh, quickly. My, with everything happening, matter of fact, last Sunday night in the uh, instructional class over there, we talked about prophecy and different things. We live in, I mean, Japan. What has happened in Japan? I mean, my goodness, tsunamis, earthquakes, nuclear radiation falling out everywhere. The Bible did say these things would happen, but it also said these things would be like birth pains. So, you know, here lately we've had Haiti, you know, the earthquake in Haiti, a very impoverished country. Then there was Chile, and then there was the earthquake in, in uh, Iceland, and that nobody could fly the planes over to Europe. And then we had New Zealand, and then we had Japan. And, you know, and I don't know what's coming next, but uh, in North Arkansas, and there is even shaking going on up there. It's hard to misinterpret an earthquake. You know, it's one thing to say there shall be wars and rumors of wars and pestilences. And, well, we got AIDS and we got this and we got all these diseases and stuff happening everywhere. You, you can say, well, what did God mean by that? What did God mean by wars and rumors of wars? Well, we've been having wars for years. I mean, World War One, World War Two. We've had wars in the in twentieth century like we've never had wars. And now here we are in the twenty first century, and now we're like uh if you're in the Xbox, it's like uh, uh this black ops game. There's just little ops here and there, you know, and uh ops here and op- little things little skirmishes everywhere. And uh, it's just every, I mean, and, but that's hard to really pin down, isn't it? Wars and rumors of war. It's kind of hard to misinterpret an earthquake. Earthquake is an earthquake is an earthquake. You can't really explain that one away, and you can't, just it's, it's going to be. And it's going to be in different places. Maybe that hadn't been in a while. Okay? But in Matthew 24, to me, and he said in verse 8, and I've got a whole list there, but I can't, I can't read verses 3 through 41. I don't have time. But it's there. And Jesus was simply telling his little old church with 12 disciples and maybe some members we didn't know about, especially those three, that what's going to happen? He said, well, all these are the beginning of sorrows. If, you're, if you have a Bible like mine, it may have a note in it. It says sorrows means birth pains. And it does. Matthew 24, 8 says all these are the beginning of birth pains. And how do birth pains go? I don't speak from experience. I remember the first time Karen, she was having Taylor, and they was hooked up. she was hooked up to that monitor. And, uh, you know, and that monitor, and it said, you know, and it had the contractions as a little bar graph as going up and down. I said, baby, you're having a big contraction. She said, I know. You ain't going to tell me. And if she had a pan, she had to hit me with it. I didn't have to tell her. I found out that was dumb. You, you don't tell a woman when she's having a contraction, she's having one. Okay. And uh, so, <clears throat> and as the birth got close, of course, we had difficulty 
And uh, she, Taylor wouldn't drop down, you know, being stubborn. And uh, so C-section and another one and another one and all that. So birth pains. Man, I and I missed, before I get away from that, I, I never did get the emergency r- flashers, red light. I wanted to so bad. We're having a baby. I wanted to fly to the hospital. Yeah! We're having a baby. I never did. It was all, oh, what time we got to be there? Okay. It was all planned. But, you know, Jesus used an apt illustration. The closer it gets to my return, it's going to be unexpected. You never know exactly when a baby's going to be born. But there are signs. Did you know that? <laughs> there are signs. What is Jesus saying? If you read Matthew 24 and 25, what does it say? You don't know what? The day or the hour. That's right. He said the times and seasons. Well, duh. I said, y'all seen all these Bradford pears blooming? <laughs> y'all know what that indicates? All I got to do is listen for a crop duster. <laughs> you know, I know what time of the year it is. And Jesus said, you'll know. Don't, you won't know exactly when. Bible says only the Father knows exactly when. But uh, my favorite section of this is verse 36. But of that day and hour, what did I just tell y'all? That's what it says. Knoweth no man, not the Father, nor, excuse me, <clears throat> no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as of days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came. Did y'all know he was in there a week before it started raining? He was in there a whole week. God said, get in there. Going to shut the door. God shut the door. They waited a week. Then it was too late. Nobody else could get on there. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field. One shall be taken, the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken. The other left. What a neat description of the rapture. If you want, if you're, something's missing in your life, let me put it simply as I know how. If you were to die today, where would you be forever? Did you know even people that are in hell live? Now, some Jehovah's Witness believe that Hell is annihilation. You you just, you burn up. Poof, you're gone. Okay? And just just ask one, if you want. Just know it's not going to offend them. Ask them what they believe about that. But the Bible doesn't speak of that. You will live either in heaven or in hell. It, It just says that. If you want to change which way you're headed, we have to admit it. We have some things we need to do here. If we want to change, we must admit or confess or proclaim. People, that last point says people have a hard time changing because they have a hard time admitting they're wrong. How many of you... Keep telling on my age here. How many of you remember a sitcom called Happy Days? 
Move your hand. Yeah, okay. Fonzie. Arthur Fonzarelli. They didn't like that. Now, only a few people could say Arthur. You know, Mrs. Cunningham could say Arthur. (laughs) And Arthur? Remember what he had trouble saying on the show? Wrong. If you remember the show, I was... I was... He would just go all crazy trying to say that little five-letter word. <laughs> Sound like a motorcycle cranking up. A lot of us have trouble saying that word. Wrong. I'm wrong. Don't try to hide it. Okay? We have trouble saying we're wrong. But if we want revival... If we want to have a right relationship with God before anybody, folks, I believe that, and I don't know if you, I don't believe you have to say it verbally, but I told the Lord I was a sinner. And if you tell the Lord you're a sinner, it's basically like saying, I've I've wronged you. God, I have wronged you. I've done wrong. I I was wrong. And I've told y'all the story before whenever. My mom made me go back to that store manager and apologize for stealing that little old flashlight. I was in big time crime. Ten year old. Headed to the pen, I thought. I mean, whoo, man, I'm felony crime here. Some more moms need to do what my mom did. Make the child say to somebody they've wronged I'm sorry I messed up I was wrong best thing that ever happened to me I was wrong get to say that and folks I want to challenge you to this even to your own kids folks I and and some of you probably don't even have a blink of a little old temper like your pastor does, and just, boom, say something you shouldn't have said. Tell your kids, your wife, or your spouse, whomever you may be, I was wrong. I was wrong. It's the best thing you can do. It'll improve your marriage and improve your relationship with your kids. And kids be able to say that to you you're their pattern some kids grow up in spite of their parents some kids grow up and they have their parents as a role model i've done both i didn't want to raise my kids in a broken home that does, and how many families in here have been affected by broken homes? I've preached to y'all about that before. Y'all know how I feel and where I stand. It Broken homes, let God take a broken situation and make something good out of it. But you cannot have it without God's help. Okay? You cannot... Do it without God's help. You say, well, it's too late. I know it's too late, and God knows that. He's not going to reverse time. 
But His grace can help you through anything. Well, lastly, we've talked about confessing it, making it right, accepting Jesus. The Scripture simply says in Ephesians, I don't want to miss that one. I just I want to hit it real quick and get to the last point. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 5, verse 13. <clears throat> the Word of God says this. But all things that are reproved are made manifest or shown by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. In other words, God's going to show what's wrong eventually. Wherefore, he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See that then that you walk circumspectly, in other words, to walk around trouble, not as fools, but as wise individuals, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Why are days evil? Because you can't get them back. And if you compare this scripture with Ecclesiastes, the Bible says that we ought to serve the Lord to... Serve our Creator in the days of our youth, because the lest the evil days come. Guess what? Your time's running out. All of y'all have only so much time. What are you going to do with it? Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. What is the cause? Well, I put in there in your outline that heaven and hell both are causes, and uh, <clears throat> and you know what? Heaven has a cause, and so does hell. Hell wants to take as many people into it as it can, and Satan is pushing them all in. He wants to push. He wants to push you to lose your temper, to lose your accountability, to lose your responsibility, to lose your testimony. Satan wants to destroy your your life, your family, your spouse, and your kids. He's the bad guy, and he's the one that's whispering in your ear. There's nothing wrong. He's the one doing it. Satan, the Bible says, is a roaring lion. Goeth about seeking whom he may devour. But what did David say whenever he was fighting that big old giant? He said, brothers, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause why are y'all shaking in your boots? Is there not a cause? I don't care how big he is. He's going down. Because the battle's not mine. It's the Lord's. And he, if he can help me whip the bear and the lion, he can help me whip this sorry Philistine. You know why that Philistine was sorry? Because he was defiling and blaspheming their God. Is there not a cause? I've got, and I didn't put it out. I may put it out next week. And uh, I'm very particular with petitions in church, but I believe in them. And I got a petition the other day about boycotting uh, Home Depot from American Family Radio. Uh, Brother Bobby and I, we try to help with the radio tower and different things. Different ones have helped us. And they're... They're, they're redeeming the time as they're promoting employees and everybody and children to, to have booths at uh, homosexual parades. And uh, that's promoting a wrong lifestyle. And if I can give my business elsewhere, I will. 
And that's just taking a stand. You say, well, it's a drop in the bucket. Well, this drop will go somewhere else. <laughs> but it's just it's a minor example of taking a stand, redeeming the time. My God says this is wrong. You know what I need to say? That's wrong. If my God and my Bible says this is wrong, I, I need to say this is wrong. And, just, oh, let's just give each other a hug and a pat on the back. Well, no, I, I just need to pray. That I can take a stand for what's right and for what's wrong. As we get ready for a hymn invitation, as Brother Norman and our musicians get ready for a song, is there someone here this morning that you're, you're, you personally, you forget about the other 180 people that are here, ever how many that are here, I don't, it doesn't matter. And you say, I need revival. I need a closer walk with the Lord. I need to get my heart right with God. And if God's Holy Spirit is convicting you, would you turn to Him this morning? Dear Jesus, I thank You so very much for allowing us to have just a, a portion of Your Word to realize that the times we live in are a struggle. The times we live in are, are confused and clouded. Uh, it's so difficult to to take what we know of Your Word and to take it into the world and to apply it and to live it and to proclaim it before others. Help us that we may be good ambassadors, that we may be good representatives of You. If there's somebody here that needs to make a decision, dear Jesus, I pray that You would just help us to lean on You to call on you. And if there's somebody that needs to be saved, that they would ask you into their life this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.